the biggest message and something that I try to shout from the rooftops is you don't have an opportunity for greatness or for anything else or success if you don't at least put yourself out there and take a chance. Mm -hmm. And it's impossible to put yourself out there and take a chance without looking like somewhat of an idiot in the beginning, because none of us go into anything as experts, right? Like it just doesn't work. You actually have to put your best foot forward and get some experience in order to get to that expert level. And for me, I still feel like I'm very much on that path. Even with podcasting, we've done 300 or so of these things. And I still feel like I'm learning, still feeling like I'm learning how to converse. And I just try to point out to everyone, like you have to get started and you have to take a chance and you have to put yourself out there in order to reach all the things that we admire and people that we admire. And so if I can be a conduit to spread that message and say, no matter what you do, you're going to look a little stupid and a little foolish, a little bit silly in the beginning, but ultimately on the other side of that is where you'll find happiness and success. That's the message I want to share. I'm Doug Bopes personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bulbs, and we cannot deny the fact that there are so many people out there who are afraid to be judged by others because of their failures. They're afraid to open up and share their own stories or take a chance on themselves because of their lack of credentials or because they're fearful of looking like a fool. But what if today I told you that the very thing you must do to be successful is to put yourself out there, fail, and not be afraid to look like an idiot. And there's so many people also out there that read book after book only to find themselves in the same place in their lives, or maybe they keep jumping from podcast to podcast and unable to move the needle either personally or professionally. And many are also having such a hard time applying what they've learned from past personal development material because they don't take the time to process it, implement it, and stay consistent. If you experience any of this, this is the right episode for you as we dive into these topics so deeply and so much more. And my guest today knows all about being successful, discovering talent, podcasting, being a parent, a husband, overcoming adversity, and creating a massive, massive side hustle. He turned that side hustle into one of the top podcasts in the world that he co-hosts with his wife, Lauren, that now has over 80 million downloads, just to give you a hint as to who this might be. Another hint is that the podcast is called the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Podcast. The story doesn't stop there. After bootstrapping, self-producing, and monetizing their own podcast, it inspired him to co-found Dear Media Podcast Network, where he is the CEO Dear Media is the first and leading podcast network focused on female voices, audiences, and narratives. With close to 40 shows under management and growing, Dear Media is changing the podcast and audio landscape and amplifying female voices. Dear Media is also changing the way talent interacts in this medium. Dear Media's business model brings opportunity not only to podcast channels, but any channel that touches a talent's brand. So my guest today is Michael Bostic, and he will share his tips for people to become more confident, to be unbothered about other people's judgments so that they can continue to move forward and achieve their goals. He will also provide some of the most surprising advice on what it takes to be successful and so much more. So without further ado, let's get this conversation going and welcome Michael Bostic to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Michael, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Doug, appreciate it, brother. It was nice. Yeah, man, we were chatting for a few before. So you were in Austin over the weekend, I guess towards the end of last week too, right? Did you guys have fun? Honestly, uh, it was was a nice little escape. It's Texas, a different thing. Austin's like, we've been in the middle of West Hollywood here during this whole pandemic for most of the time. And you feel like you're kind of just like in a concrete jungle. So getting out there, getting in nature, being around different types of people was, was definitely refreshing. Yeah, I saw you all went down and interviewed Tim Kennedy, which I'm extremely excited to hear that episode. And then also spent some time in Barton Springs. I think when I went to Austin, I went into the Springs. It was so refreshing to get in there. Did you guys get in the water? 
we were running short on time and so we're like definitely we wanted to see it we didn't and we had the baby with us and a little yeah, dog yeah. we didn't have a chance to jump in but like definitely if i go back it's going to be a bucket list thing to do it's like such a unique experience but yeah man i love everything we have to get back out there because it was definitely cool it's like a little california vibe but also in texas still very much texas it was, it was, it was definitely cool that sounds awesome yeah i mean texas is a good spot there's so many different areas to get there it's so big it's kind of like cali and and honestly like your story there's so many facets and everything you've built. And what's really fascinating to me is I think you've always had this knack inside of you for pulling greatness out of people on your show. I remember hearing a story, you were talking about your relationship with Lauren and you obviously you admired her for her beauty and everything else. But I remember the one thing you tried to get her to do is like open up more to get beneath the surface, to showcase like what's beneath the beauty, right? And I know like one of the credentials to even get on a show like yours, you got to be able to be cracked open and be honest and be vulnerable. Right. And I think that's the main reason I believe y'all have hit like you're over what 80 million downloads at this point. And you've created this massive movement in your media. And you posted something this morning that was very inspiring to me because I think it's so true that one of the biggest pillars for success is the people who are not afraid to look like an idiot right? Yep. They're the people who aren't afraid to put themselves out there. And I think so many people don't take a chance because they fear how other people are going to perceive them yet long-term, they're going to feel like an idiot for not putting themselves out there and doing the thing they should have been doing. So what advice do you have for people who are kind of in that spot that they're afraid of putting their neck on the line because for fear of judgment? Yeah. I don't know like what it is. I think like if my parents, I mean, they did a lot right, but I think one of the things is they instilled a ton of self-assurance and, and confidence in me. And so like, I've always been somebody that's been willing to put myself out there and look like an idiot. And I start with saying looking like an idiot because nothing I've ever done in my personal career or in any relationship or friendship started with me looking great. Right. It, mm. it was either me being like awkwardly shy and putting myself out there. It was either me putting like going into a business that honestly, I did not have an expertise or a reason to be into and stumbling around and looking like an idiot. It. And I think we get put in these boxes as we grow up and especially in school where it's like you have to do things the way other people did them and you don't want to question the status quo too much. You don't want to get too far out of what society or humans think is acceptable. And when I was growing up, I was like, I used to get in a lot of trouble and it wasn't because I was such a bad kid. It was because I constantly was like, why, 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 why? I wanted answers to like, I feel like I needed to ask in everything I do like 30 whys before I could get to, a, to an understanding of something. And so I just feel like the biggest message and, and something that I try to shout from the rooftops is you don't have an opportunity for greatness or for anything else or success if you don't at least put yourself out there and take a chance. And mm -hmm. it's impossible to put yourself out there and take a chance without looking like somewhat of an idiot in the beginning because none of us go into anything as experts, right? Like it just doesn't work. You actually have to put your best foot forward and get some experience in order to get to that expert level. And, and for me, I'm, I still feel like I'm very much on that path. Even with podcasting, we've done 300 or so of these things. And I still feel like I'm learning, still feeling like I'm learning how to converse. And I just try to point out to everyone, like you have to get started and you have to take a chance and you have to put yourself out there in order to reach all the things that we admire and people that we admire. And so if, if I can be a conduit to spread that message and say, no matter what you do, you're going to look a little stupid, a little foolish, a little bit silly in the beginning, but ultimately on the other side of that is where you'll find happiness and success. That's the message I want to share. Yeah, I, I think there's so much relatability to that and riding a bike for the first time, right? When you're riding a bike, you got the training wheels on, you're afraid to kind of take them off because you're afraid you're going to fall and kind of the neighbors are going to laugh at you, your parents are going to think, and then you take them off eventually and you fall and then you get back up and then you ride a little bit further, you fall, you get back up. And then so over time, you end up being able to ride without it. I think it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. I think it's the same thing with your health and fitness journey. I think it's the same thing with the relationship. And I remember you saying something like there were some early on episodes of your show where there were ones you were, I like questioned, I think running. And then you look back now and you have re-listened to them and you're like, you know what? I'm really glad that I kept them because it's shown how much progress. I mean, if you go back right? and listen to any of those early episodes, they're so fucking terrible. Sorry, I don't know if we can cut something. <laughs> no, they're, good, so, they're so bad. I mean, sound quality is bad. The cadence of our conversation is bad. I think we're both machine gun firing likes and ums throughout the whole episode. We're interrupting each other. We're in an echo. Like for, for some reason, we thought it was a good idea to do it in a room with tile floors and like big windows and just have the worst echo. And I guarantee that people that go and look at the, at the show now and they start with those first ones, they probably think like, wow, what a shitty show. How did this even get to where it is? Like, 
maybe stop listening. And it's funny because when I talk to people at Dear Media now, one of the things I say is like, invest in the equipment, get the right audio quality because you do kind of lose it. But I leave it up personally because one thing I want to share with the world is that our podcast started as a side hustle. I was earning other businesses. Lauren was running her brand. This was a side thing we did as a hobby. And since then, it's obviously become a, a decently successful show. But in addition to that, it, it was the catalyst to kick off the Dear Media Podcast Network. And the entire network, the team, the 50 or so shows represent would, would not be possible and not be represented if I didn't take a chance and jump into the show with Lauren and like have this shitty thing that ultimately we looked really foolish doing in the beginning and now has kind of proven itself out. There's so many amazing stories of people like yourself or, so, I mean, any entrepreneurs that people follow or podcast that the main objective in it is just to start and be consistent. So many people are afraid to start because they look at somebody like yourself with 80 million downloads, like, well, how am I ever going to get there? But yet the very way not to get there is not to start at all, right? And they don't remember that. I mean, when you want to start something on the side like this, it takes time. It takes grit. It takes hard work and no, it's, it's never going to happen. Like, I think the biggest thing is to know that it's, it's not going to happen nearly as fast as you like it. And anything that I've done in life that has happened fast has been really fleeting and it's been a short-term thing. And I think I had some, what I thought were earlier successes in my career that ended up not being successes and just like businesses that you think are going to go somewhere and die in the next six months or in the next few months. And like, you're always left starting. I don't want to say it's square one because you learn things, but you're like, what am I building here? And I think anything that I've ever been a part of that's been meaningful has been something that's taken a very long time, taken a lot of practice, taken a lot of hours and a lot of consistency. And so, like I said, I leave these things up for people to say, oh, there's a back catalog of 300 plus episodes and five years now of doing a show. And so it's easy to kind of look at something as it exists once it's become successful and be like, wow, that looks so easy, like lucky for them. But, but if you think about it, it's not just 300 episodes of recording like you and I are. That's also planning and coordinating guests and traveling and working on trying to promote the show and sell it and coordinating guests and going back and forth and travel. It's like... It, it takes a lot as, and, I, and so when you, it's, it's a lot more than just 300 hours of sitting and talking to someone, it's thousands and thousands of hours of everything that goes around it. There's a lot to be said too, for making sure you're getting into it for the right reasons too. You're not just getting into it for the downloads, you're getting into it to make an impact in people's lives. And then I believe that with the, your heart and, and if your soul is aligned with your mission, I think things will just naturally happen the way they're supposed to. The problem is I think people see the glamour, they see the downloads, they see the following, they see the the posts on social media and they, they chase that, right? And then when stuff gets hard, which it does, they don't have anything to fall back on other than, well, oh my gosh, my show is not downloading or my I'm not making progress on the scale, whatever it is, there's correlations to every every part of your life that they really have to have something inside of them that's fueling this change and it's mission driven. And that's what I respect about what you guys have created with your podcast is it seems so mission driven. You have to get outside yourself. Right. Right. You have to stop making everything about you. And I know a lot of these things, when you have a brand that centers around your personality or your life on social, it could look self-serving. But I think the people that find success as creators in any space are doing it to serve an audience or to serve a consumer. And if you're doing it to serve yourself, I think again, like it'll be short, it'll be a, sh a short run, right? Like what I always tell people on the show is audience comes first. The guests yeah. come second and then the brands honestly come third. Like and a lot of people get that confused. They put the guests first, the brand second and the audience last. And for us, like you can bring in any kind of publicist or PR person into the studio with Lauren and I to guard your guest or whatever the, or the person we're interviewing, but we're still going to ask the questions the audience wants to know. If a PR person has to throw themselves across the studio table, so be it. But the, the people, we are there to, to serve the audience that we've built. And then, and I say, not just any audience, it's our audience, right? Like we're not for everybody. We're, we're speaking to the people that identify with our message that are there to, to support and listen to us and that are there to get something of value for themselves. And with that also, I think you, you have to be disciplined because like everything you say is not going to be so popular, right? Like I know there's some people that probably tune in and hear some of the things Lauren and I say and are, you know, either upset about it or turned off or dislike it. But again, it's for our audience that wants that message authentically from us. And I think people sometimes lose sight of that in the creator space. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, the shows that, at least in my opinion, I enjoy the most um, or that do the best consistently over time are the ones that actually are real and they're not worried about the downloads as much as they are worried about being authentic and serving their audience. And I think we live in a society where we're used to wearing masks, right? No pun intended. 
And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about people who are afraid to open up and be vulnerable. And they're trying to fit in on social. They're trying to fit in around their family or even around their friends. And I think, like I said at the beginning of the show, you guys do an incredible job getting beneath the surface in the conversations you have on your show to help not only, I think it brings the best out in the guest where they feel this sense of peace within themselves, but I think you hit a strong message with your audience. So what advice do you have for somebody who's kind of afraid to open up? They're afraid to share something about their story or they just can't get beneath the surface. To be honestly blunt about this, I don't think people can find success long-term if they're not. Mm. And so again, it's a little bit selflessly selfish to say that we're going to be us and talk how we want to talk 100% of the time, because we just know that we're not going to be able to keep up a facade. And listen, when you speak on a mic every single week, for us, it's six to eight times a week, people really get to know you. It's, it's, it's one thing to fake a picture or a video and edit something pretty in a caption, but it's another thing like you and I are talking right now. This is not toned down or edited. Like it's, it's hard to fake this. Right. And if I was yeah. trying to be a persona and not be who I was, I would stumble. I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't know how to speak. I wouldn't be able to carry a conversation. So Lauren and I just early on realized like if this is going to have any type of success. We got to bear it all and be ourselves. She's shared some really dark moments on the show in her life. I've shared dark moments on mine. Like we've cried on her show. We've gotten angry. We've basically gone through couples therapy. We've had people come on the show and share parts of their life that I think after they're surprised that they even shared. And, and I think when you build an audience in an authentic way that experiences that when you do share those dark times, what happens is instead of them maybe judging you or turning on you, they actually come to your support and, and say like, Hey, let really help me. Or like, Hey, let me help you. And I think that's what authenticity brings is it, it brings community, right? It puts these groups of people together that want to support each other, where we all know the shows were like, Hey, that doesn't resonate or that's not authentic. And what happens? People don't want to support it and they, they want to shit talk it and they want to tear it down. And so I think we just really realize, like, if you don't bear it all and you don't put it out there in an authentic way, there's no longevity, which it really like reinforces and enables us to go out there and just be ourselves. Speaking of being yourself, I, I think it's incredibly important to focus on the things that you're good at and what you like to do and who you are as a person in order to have success. And I think when you can do that, it makes the ability to be more vulnerable easier because you're comfortable in your own skin and the decisions you make. One of the things that I found really interesting that you shared was that you have all these people that are in a meditation. Meditation is a big thing, but I heard you talk about how Wim Hof and doing things that bring you discomfort such as that is kind of like your bug and what you enjoy doing. And you've kind of owned, like, listen, like I know meditation is not for me. Wim Hof is what I love. So talk a bit about the importance of just like staying in your lane, accepting the things that work for you and not worrying about what other people think. Yeah. I think we live in a time where there's sensory overload, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many experts and so many different opinions on, on ways to live a better life. And I think that's all great and everyone should do them, but I think we should also not overwhelm ourselves with trying to do everything. Right. And I, for the longest time, I tried to do a bunch of meditation and I tried to do a lot of journaling and I, and I realized there's parts of it that I like, but I also felt like it was a chore in some kind of way. And I wasn't getting the value that I wanted. And what I realized, like this morning I went boxing and it, early in the morning I was boxing. I like that. I like getting like a little anxiety, a little aggression out of like a little sweat. It was very uncomfortable. It's something I haven't done since I was a kid. Like it, it pushes me to boundaries where I can't think of anything but that. And with Wim Hof, what I realized is it's so intense and it's so quick that it, it gets me that release right away. And I feel like personally that I get the value that people describe from meditation out of that. Again, that's for me personally. And I know there's probably the meditators out there that are saying, no, maybe you're doing it wrong or like you should give it another try, which I get. But what I found with Wim Hof is like, it gives me that release. It gives me that calm. It gives me that discipline getting in a freezing cold shower or tub every day. I haven't had a hot shower this entire year during COVID. Like it, it primes me up and, and puts me in something just discomforting right out the day. So like if you can get that hard stuff out of the way first, like it just gives you a different type of energy and focus. And, and so for me, I love things that push me to be uncomfortable because it makes the rest of what I do feel easy throughout the day. Oof, I love that, man. It's funny. We were talking before we went on the show and I was sharing that I went to, to LA back in early October to do a workout with Gabby um, at her house. And I shared that I needed to kind of embrace this discomfort a bit more within myself and challenge myself. So I started doing this cold water training where I would sit in the cold tub for, it was like, it was like 42 degrees. I remember when I first did it, I lasted like 10 seconds. I got out, maybe it was 30. I don't remember the, but it was very short lived. Got out screaming like a little child. <laughs> and then I had this intense pain up and down my legs. 
And then I got back in the next week and I was able to do like a minute and a half and I got back in and was able to do three minutes and, and so on and so forth. And I got to the point where I think I was able to be in fully submerged for five minutes. And the confidence I gained from that has been life-changing for me, even now with just everything going on in the world and the constant stress that comes from that, I'm able to manage it a bit better. And I think the easiest thing that people can do, they all, everyone's asking, how can we manage stress better? I think that one of the things you, that people forget is put yourself in stressful situations. Is Whether it that's right, that people work their whole life to one day try to just be comfortable. Yeah. Right? Like I think about this all the time. Like people think I'm going to work and I'm going to retire. I'm going to go sit on a boat or on a beach and relax and have money and not have to think about it. And to me, that sounds like my personal hell, right? Like oh, I God, think that's I when know. you get slow. I think that's when you get complacent. I think that's when the worst things in life happen is when you're complacent and when you're slow. I love the idea of, of knowing that life is Charlie Munger said like, Tell yourself life's going to be really, really hard and ask yourself if you can get through it. And if you can, you've won. And I, and I believe that. I believe that if you get up every day saying like, well, this is going to suck. This is going to be hard, but I'm going to do whatever's necessary to get through it. That builds resilience. It builds confidence. And what happens when, even if you break it down to working out or taking an ice bath, you say you start 10 seconds and then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, I can only do 10 seconds. But then a few weeks go by and you're doing a minute and then three minutes. And what it does is like, wow, I actually and doing things that I used to think I couldn't do, which is going to stretch what you think you can do in the future. And that's what it's all about is like things that you think are hard right now, as you start to break those barriers down and do them, what it does for you as a person is you're like, wait a minute, maybe that thing that I actually think's hard won't be that hard. And it makes mm -hmm. you start taking chances and taking action because it's going to suck and it's going to be uncomfortable, but you've proven to yourself that you can get through the things that suck and are uncomfortable. And that's what builds competent, active, successful people is, is breaking down those barriers and, and telling yourself every day that life's going to throw a lot of curveballs at you, but you as a person have the strength to get through it. And so I've never understood why people one day just want a life of comfort, because I think that's ultimately going to give them the opposite in the long run. It's going to not lead to happiness. It won't lead to more confidence. It'll, you'll get bored. You'll be complacent. You'll get weak. And so for me, like I wake up every day being grateful that it's going to suck. And that the moments in time that I find between that are a relief from that are the moments of like, I can celebrate, I can be happy. I can say, Hey, I got through that. And ultimately that's, what's going to make life fulfilling to me. Yeah. I mean, we have to work that adversity threshold, if you will. We have to fail to in order to get better at failing, right? And I think so many people are just afraid of failing because they think that they're going to have this feeling that they're never going to want to do anything again. But what about on the flip side that when you fail, it actually proves that you can get back up again. You keep moving forward. You work that muscle and then you become more resilient over time. And I also think that people expect life to just be, to work till they get it, have the sense of certainty. And life, there's always going to be uncertainty in life. And I think if we can just accept the fact that life is not going to be a certain way, that it's always, like you said, going to be hard, it's going to suck, we can kind of address that moving forward. So I know you had some, obviously, some challenges getting started with the show. I mean, obviously, balancing the side hustle with your full-time jobs and then your relationship with Lauren, everything at the beginning. What are some of the biggest challenges you are facing right now? If you're anything like me, you're always looking to incorporate things into your life that improve your sleep, calm your anxiety, and manage your stress. I found a product that helps me with all three. I've been using the gummies from Soul CBD. Each gummy contains 10 milligrams of calming CBD. They are THC-free, organically farmed, gluten-free, and made with the best ingredients. I like to call them my calm candy as it will leave you feeling more relaxed, focused, and you will sleep like a baby. I like to take them at various times, including before a run, when I'm feeling discomfort, before bed, or any other time I'm looking to create a safe space for my mind. Plus, these sweet CBD edible treats are easy to travel with, so you can take them out whenever you need to throughout the day. So go to www.mysoulcbd.com to learn more about the calming benefits of these CBD gummies from Soul. Again, it's www.mysoulcbd.com. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Well, it's been an interesting year because the funny thing about the show, and I just, I always bring this up, the show still is the side hustle, right? And, and so I think like my full-time gig now is Dear Media. I operate that as CEO every single day. There's been massive challenges this year, as you can imagine. We went into a, a year where we were supposed to be signing leases and investing in all sorts of resources and content. And it turned out to be a global pandemic, which everyone is affected by. The entire team since March has been completely remote. All of the talent that used to come into all the studios has been recording remotely ad dollars are down marketing dollars are down everything's there's a lot of uncertainty and then there's a million things going on so like 
80% of my day, 90% of my day is focused on putting out fires at Dear Media. And, and I say at this point, like most of what I do is just deal with problems at Dear Media. Like it's obviously, it's a growing entity and it's great. But like, as when you're running an organization, when you're at the top, there's nobody I can go to and say like, hey, what do you think of this problem? Like I, the problems come to me. So I'm, I'm filtering that. And then in addition to that, Lauren and I produce a show six times a month and we're using the studio and, and coordinating with a lot of people. And so that's become a real challenge to, to continue to produce the show week after week after week, try to keep the quality up while also going through a global pandemic, running this business, throw a new child into the mix that both new parents put us both in a tiny condo here in LA, two bedrooms that were on top of each other. Obviously, like if any marriage can get through that, like this year, anybody like hats off to. And so there's a million challenges. But again, I think like people have this year flipped where there a lot of you hear people say, this is the worst year of my life. I hate this year. This worst. I think you should flip that and say, this is actually the best year of your life because it forces you to get uncomfortable. It forces you to get resilient. It forces you to do things differently. It forces you to take an honest look at yourself and the life you were living before and say like, was this making me happy? Did I want to live in this big city or this work for this company? Like, is this really what I want to be doing? And so I think that the unlock here for anything that's adverse to me is I try to do this thing where I flip everything on its head, where if my instinct is to start telling myself, this is so terrible and this is so bad and this is so upsetting, immediately I'll go, okay, don't do that. And I'll say, where's the opportunity? What can I learn? What's good about this? What are other people not seeing? What, what, can, I, what can I get out of this that other people won't get because they're not looking for it? And I think like, it's just literally taking any situation and saying, instead of just accepting, like most people do, that this is bad or terrible or the worst year ever and saying, Maybe it's not, maybe it's the best. And then doing what I said earlier, which is like, why, why, why? And I think within that, you start to look at things with a different perspective. Yeah, this time has definitely forced people to look at themselves in the mirror and see what they need to address, whether it's mentally, emotionally, or physically. And it's been on the people to say, how do I want to come out of this? Do I want to come out of this uh, a better version of me? Or I want to be that person that's in six months from now, it's like, gosh, why didn't I take hold of that, this golden opportunity where I had all this time to work on myself. So what are some things that you've noticed within yourself that you're like, like, I got to get better at this? Has there been any of that that's come up? A million things. I think I would say communication has been the biggest thing this year. Before this pandemic, it's fast paced, fast, fast, fast. Everything's going. Maybe I'm not being the best communicator with my team. I'm not being the most honest with myself and how I actually feel about things, you know, because you just go so fast. Sometimes you don't address issues. I think as an executive running a team, I realize when you lose the office and you're talking on a screen like this, like you need better communication over communication because if people don't know and they don't see you, that's difficult. So, I mean, there's a million things. I also realized this year that like, I need to put more into my relationship. Lauren and I had the benefit of going off into our different lives and different days. People think we're attached at the hip, but like during the day she goes and runs her business, I go run mine. And then we get, we get to see each other and coming back into the relationship and being in the same household day after day with each other is like, oh, maybe there's some issues that we actually need to work through that we weren't because we just weren't, didn't have the time and we're, and we're separated. And so it's been a lot of that. I think the biggest thing to realize is like, if you're in, if you're in a dark place in your life, the easiest way to change that dark place is to change yourself. Mm. And most people look to other people and external things in order to improve or to change or to, to make their life better or to stop doing something that's negative. And, and what I realize is like, this year has been about extreme ownership for me. Like everything that is going wrong or, the, or in the wrong way, I should say in my life is nobody's fault, but mine there's, I need to take extreme accountability and say like, okay, this is on me. And if I want those to, if I want things to change around me, I got to change myself first. And so like, I don't know if that was so specific, but it's been a constant battle this year of me saying like, okay, like this is on me. I got to fix this. Maybe I got to change the tone, change the direction, change the communication, change how I live my life. Like, and it's been a lot of that, which I think is been what made this year so hard for so many people is people are alone for the first time with their own thoughts. We, we, we don't have all these external things where we can get away from our lives. We have to sit with our thoughts. And that's a really difficult thing to do for a lot of people, including myself, is to sit and look inward instead of outward for everything. Yeah, I relate so much to that. I mean, I remember when I was incarcerated back in 2008, all these masks for me that I had hid behind with all the drug use came off when I was in jail and I was just stuck with my thoughts and my emotions. And if I didn't learn how to self-regulate and manage them in a healthy way, I would have gone off the deep end. And it really forced me to look within myself to look at how I was dealing with the anxiety and the trauma and being a victim and all that stuff and shift my mindset to say, you know what, if I'm going to get myself out of this dark place, it's going to be on me. I remember my cellmate, and I tell the story a lot because it's so relatable. He looked at me and he pretty much said to me, you can either be a man or you can be a bitch. 
he said, you're being a bitch right now, blaming everybody for your problems, blaming your parents, blaming the people who bullied you. And he's like, it's gotten you in jail and you chose to get here. And he's like, you can be a man, own your choices and know that if you're going to change, it starts with you. Right. And that's something that I still stick with me today. And anybody who's listening to this during these times, when we're isolated right now, if anyone's going to change us, it's up to us. It's not that nobody else is going to come save us. And I think we're, we're looking for that easy out because it's easy to wait for someone to come save us. It's easy to blame other people. The hard thing is looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what, like I got some freaking work to do. But I, I mean, listen, even just hearing your story briefly right there, a lot of this year, something I've been talking about is just perspective. And I could be somebody sitting there like I'm, I'm crying about the pandemic, but the fact is like, we're having an interview right now over Zoom with technology. Yeah. I can go up and get something out of my fridge. Like, and I can go see my daughter. Like I have, I have all the resources in the world. We have technology, phones. Like you think about people that have actually been incarcerated and are still incarcerated, locked up, like a pandemic like this to them would be a dream scenario, right? Like if, if someone yeah. said to you, Hey, you don't have to be in this prison cell right now. You could be at home with all your technology and all your stuff and Postmates and this and that. Like, and I think that's another thing is just like, it's always about shifting perspective for me. It's about saying like, okay, when I think I have it bad, look at other people's experience and be like, I'm so grateful for my experience because there's, I don't know if they can listen to podcasts while incarcerated. Maybe some can, maybe some can't, but there's a there's millions of people right now that would change spots with with any of us that are on a lockdown in our homes and nice condos with all of our technology. And if you go back even if, you know a few hundred years and a pandemic happened, like we didn't have Zoom and Postmates and Instagram and Twitter and all this stuff and televisions. Like oh. again, like we should be grateful that we're in this pandemic with the resources that we have in modern times with modern medicine. Yeah, I remember like just going back to your point when I got out. One of the first things I did was I went to the zoo, went to the aquarium, because one of the things I took for granted was my freedom, like the ability to talk to who I wanted to, to go where I wanted to, to see who I wanted to. I, I lost that. Hopefully during this pandemic, though, I think people have learned that they've taken maybe their health for granted, or they've taken maybe some of their relationships for granted. The difference is you have the opportunity during this time to change that. Right. When I was in jail getting started in an exercise routine, it was just me and my body weight on a floor. Right now, there's all kinds of online workout programs. I mean, obviously, you can still do a lot with your body weight. Like you said, perspective is everything. And you could go outside and go for a run. Yeah. You could go and do pull-ups on a tree, whatever. Like, you know, yeah, to your point, you're incarcerated. Like, you don't have all that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think people sometimes get upset with me, and especially during this pandemic, because I'll call into question perspective, right? I'll call in and say like, Hey, yeah, the pandemic sucks, but have you thought about this, this, and this, or like the other day I posted about, there was something I posted about pastimes in history. And it was like during Victoria and England, like the average life, life expectancy for a young child, 50% of young children before the age of five. And like, imagine how crazy the world would be right now. If you knew there's a 50% chance that your baby doesn't make it to adulthood. And I just, there's, there's just things like that. Like I'll, I'll share something like that to just offer somebody perspective. And it's not my opinion, it's just like maybe a factual thing and say like, Hey, look at this. What do you think of this compared to what we're going through? And I find most of the time people are like, oh, thank you. That's a great response. But you, once in a while you get people that no matter what, they, they don't want to change their perspective. They want to be set in their ways. They don't want to change opinion. They want to live in a negative headspace. And I think what rubs people wrong about me sometimes is I refuse to allow that negativity to creep into my ether, right? I've, I'm, I'm constantly, no matter what's going on in the world and no matter how bad it gets, you'll always see me being opportunistic, being positive, looking for that little sliver of light in a dark tunnel to say, that's a reason to keep going. And I think that if we got to that place more as a world, we could start having better conversations and helping each other a little bit more as opposed to just saying like, Hey, woe is me. This is the end of the world. I hate life. And I want to drag those around me down with me. Like for me, I want anybody that looks to say like, Hey, I actually want to try to be inspired here and, and, and live a happy life. Yeah. It's like, we got to look within ourselves and how, how can we be the light? We, if the world is a dark place and people are saying that, well, okay, well, what are we doing about it ourselves to make a difference? And I think it comes back to gratitude. And I don't just mean writing it down. I think that's one thing I think taking it to the next level is truly believing in what you're grateful for. Like you said, like truly shifting your perspective, like, wow, I have both my legs. Nobody in my family died of COVID. I still have my mom. I still have my dog. You can go on and on. And I think so many people pay attention to the things that they don't have in life that they forget what they do have. And I think the number one thing people can do right now, if they're listening to this, is really pay attention to what you can control. Because there's a lot of things that we can't control right now, right? But there's a lot we can. You can control your health. You can control what you listen to, what you watch on TV. I mean, I've been telling people to just kind of turn off the news and, and just like listen great to advice. Yeah, listen to podcasts, like listen to positive media outlets. 
read books. I know you're a, you're a freaking student, uh, Mike of personal development. Like you spent, I heard you say you spent like hours a day reading just different things. Like just read, get outside, connect with like-minded people. There's so many things you can do to improve yourself. And I want to get back to this personal development thing. I think it's important. There's so many people that they'll jump from podcast to podcast or book to book and they'll be doing the thing, but their life won't change because they're not implementing everything. And I think you are a prime example of implementing and personal, implementing the, the most profound personal development techniques into your own life to not only better yourself, but you do such a profound job to share it with others. So what advice do you have for people that are struggling to kind of implement some of these things that they're trying to work on? I've been saying something on the podcast since day one, and it's like maybe getting a little old for some people that are familiar with me, but I think it's still relevant. And it's still something I talk about to this day, which is launch fast and adjust. I keep saying like, you're never going to launch that perfect product. And it's, it's never going to be where you want it. Even like, for example, dear media and the podcast is still not where I want it. Right. I I still want to improve, but I I think people get held back in life because they read all these, I call them the forever student, right? (laughs) They read every self-help book. They listen to every podcast. They watch every show. They go to every seminar back when you could, they go to all these events. I, I went to a Tony Robbins event, for example, and I love Tony Robbins, but I went to the event and I got sad, which is the opposite of what's supposed to happen. And I got sad because everybody gets so jazzed up at these events and he's so good at speaking to people and so good at expiring them. But I looked around and I realized 99% of the people at this event are going to take this. They're going to get some short-term motivation. They're going to go home and they're going to go back to exactly what they were doing before. They're not going to actually take the action and the steps. They're going to go back and say, well, that was great, but here's a thousand reasons why I shouldn't get started. And they won't. And so for me, the biggest message and why I always try to point out like that everything that I've done is kind of started as a side hustle and improved is that people overthink things that they need to do. Like, so for like, I'll give you an example of the podcast. I didn't think one day, like, I'm going to have this podcast. I'm going to be speaking to you. I'm going to talk to all these great people and it's going to launch this amazing network and it's become a great revenue source and all that. Like literally when I thought about the podcast, I said, wouldn't it be great to have a podcast? Cool. Let's do it. What was the first thing I can do? One, let's say we're going to do it. And then two, let's go buy the equipment to do it. That's what we did. We didn't think like 50 steps ahead. We didn't think about the brand. I didn't think about how I was going to describe it, where it was going to live, how it was going to be hosted. I just did step one. Once I did step two, it led to three, four, five, six. And I think in anything in life, whether you want to start a fitness routine, whether you want to start reading more, whether you want to start getting into a relationship, uh, build a business, it starts with actually taking a step of action, step one. And what people make a mistake on, in my opinion, in anything in life is they start thinking from A to Z instead of A to B. If you actually go and, and do the first thing you could potentially do, whether that's asking out a girl for the first time, whether that's going to the bookstore and actually picking up a book, whether that's starting a podcast and buying some equipment, whether you want to create a blog and it's writing that first post, if you just take step one, the main thing that you can do right now today, literally turn this episode off and go do that right now. I promise you it'll lead to the rest and you will figure it out along the way. You need to build momentum. And so the biggest thing I've learned when it comes to like self-help and motivation in these things is that the people that actually have success in life are the people that take massive amounts of action. They're not necessarily the experts. They're not the thought leaders. We all know those people that go to school their entire lives and come out and still don't get nearly as far ahead as maybe that person that dropped out of high school and started doing a couple things. And it's because most people are scared to actually take action and start going on something. They just wait and wait and wait and give themselves every kind of reason about why it's not the right time. Yeah. I mean, they say the first step with anything is just to start. And I think so many people, like I said at the beginning, like when they're starting a podcast or looking at how am I going to get to 80 million downloads instead of how am I going to get to one download, right? You just have to start and you have to just keep going and consistency is everything. Just doing the little things every single day is what adds up to a big goal. I mean, having like the five, 10, 15 year vision is great, but not one person who achieves those goals in the five, 10, 15 years time span doesn't do the little things necessary every day, right? And I think a lot of people are scared to take that risk because they are afraid that it's not going to pan out. They're afraid um, of what other people are going to think. But I think the bigger fear should be the fear of regret for, like, again, not taking a chance on yourself. I also think that speaking of like society norms and standards, credentials. People feel they need credentials to do things. If you were to track my past and just bringing it to like businesses, not personal or anything else, 
there is no linear path to why I'm running a female focused podcast network with 50 shows. Like I didn't study media. I wasn't in entertainment. I wasn't a manager. I wasn't an agent. I had never been in broadcast journalism. I never studied a single thing out here. My, I grew up my whole life thinking I was going to go into real estate. I actually did it 2008. Worst fucking year to go. <laughs> right, right. Learned a couple of things there. And then I ended up in the aviation business. I ended up running massive amounts of internet traffic, Google and Facebook early on. So there's really no reason that I should be one podcasting in to running a podcast network. And, and I point out to people that this happened because I was taking actions. And if I, I can't tell you how many times some agent or manager or somebody that's been in the radio space or in the space has led in with, well, you've never done this before. You don't have the experience. And I joke and say like, these credential people are going to be saying the same thing. Like you're not, a, like, and even though it happens on the show, you're like, you're not a health expert. You're not a, you're not a finance expert. You're not an economist. And you hear these people say, well, like, if you don't have this credential, you can't be doing these things. And it's just not true, right? Those credentials could help, sure. Like I would love to have a finance degree. I would love to be an economist. I would love to have a legal, all these things would be great. And I'm sure I could get a lot of knowledge, but the degree doesn't fucking matter if you don't go do anything with it and take the action you need. And so nine times out of 10, I would rather be an action guy than a credentials guy. And I'll figure out the credential stuff along the way. Gosh, I couldn't have said that better myself, man. Cause so many people just stumble on their own feet because they're not certified or they're, they don't have any credentials. And I relate so much to what you just said. I mean, when I wrote my first book, I mean, I barely graduated high school and I, I mean, I felt like a sense of a fraud. I mean, at the beginning, sure. But then once I got past that, I mean, the rest was kind of history. And my whole message and my whole reason of sharing this is just because you're not skilled at that craft or whatever it is in that moment doesn't mean you won't get there. But the only way to get there is to have some sort of messy action along the way and just try and not be afraid to fall and get back up. Yeah. And I think like we overestimate how much people really care about our failures. That's something that's important for me to share is because I think we sit there and we think that, that people care a lot more about our failures and about our shortcomings than they actually do. Like people have their own problems, their own set of issues and their own failures. And that's mostly where people spend time thinking is like, how does this affect me? How am I looking like a failure? How do I look? And so like someone might look at you and say like, Hey, did you see Doug? You just said that huge fuck up. Like they move on. Like they don't have time. And so I think like, it's kind of a, a narcissistic trait we have as humans, where we think that we're more important than we are and that people care more about us than they actually do. And I think I got to a place in my life where I realized like, okay, I, I'm going to screw up. I'm going to fail. I'm going to do all the things, but people don't really care as like about what I'm doing at all. Like maybe they tune in once in a while, but they're mostly concerned about themselves. And it was a freeing thought that, that I came to because I realized like, okay, if they don't care that much, why do I care that much? And it enabled me to say like, listen, I'm going to go and put myself out there and do the things and try and, and fail spectacularly along the way. But ultimately if I can find some success or happiness on the other side of that, it's going to be well worth it. And one thing I do want to say, like, obviously if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer and you actually do need credentials to practice legally, like you should get that. But I think most take my point in the sense that like you don't need to go to school for 18 years to start a podcast. Like you can, you can start today. Yeah. And I think the same thing that you just said applies to when people are, are working out. I think with the biggest fear I think people have when they go into a gym is what are other people going to think of them in reality? Most people don't, I mean, I would say almost everybody doesn't really care. I mean, I think you care more about what the fact that you think they're caring than they actually do. Most people are in there just, just trying to get their own workout, get in and out, get back to work, get back home. And I think once you can get over that hump, just like anything else in life, I think you're golden because I think that's the initial fear, right? Is the fear of judgment because it is, it's some like reverse pride, I think in us that we fear that someone's going to judge us. And if they do, that's going to hurt like our self-image and our self-esteem. And that's yep. why, right? Yep. And here's, and here's something I'll say that'll probably piss some of the listeners off, but again, like just got to keep it real. I, I think people that have those judgments and actually care about what you're doing and judge you for failing are, are other losers, right? Exactly. There's no, there's no winner that I've ever met. That's going to look at anyone that's putting effort out into the world, whether it's working out or trying to, to get into that new relationship or trying to improve themselves or trying to get sober or trying to build a business and say, what a loser they're going to, other winners are going to support you. And they're going to say good for you for trying, even if you fuck up and fail. If I'm in the gym and I'm a little further along in the path and I see someone that's just getting going and they're trying to get in shape, like my first instinct is like, good for them. Like it's, it's, it's inspiring to see somebody go and start to try to improve themselves and people that see it another way where they're, where they're judging you and calling you a loser for taking a chance. Again, in my personal opinion are other losers. That's not to say that they can't eventually become winners, but they definitely cannot be winners with a loser mindset, judging other people for those people trying to improve their lives and do better. 
I forget. I think it was maybe was it Joe Rogan who said I don't remember who said it, but he said you don't see Michael Jordan leaving negative YouTube comments, something like that, right? <laughs> I, and, I don't think I've left a negative comment <laughs> on anyone's profile in my entire life. Like, sure, there's things I see that I disagree with, or I'm like, oh, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. But if you have the time in your life to waste crying on the internet and complaining and writing negative things that more than likely most people aren't even going to see or acknowledge. Like all it's doing is taking time away from you where you could be improving and doing better. And it's also putting a big signal out into the universe, into the world that you're in a dark place, that you're somebody that's in a negative headspace, that you're hurting more than others. It's also creating a permanent flag. Like I think people sometimes think that this stuff is not going to be seen later on. Like if you put anything out in the internet, which is another reason to keep yourself authentic, like it's going to be seen no matter what I've said or posted. Like I know 100% if it's, if I hit send or publish, like it's out there forever, whether you delete it or not, people are going to see it. And so I just think that like putting negativity out into the world from your personally is going to come back to you. If you believe in karma, like, and I do in a certain sense, like it's going to come back in some way that doesn't serve you. And so again, being selfish in, in some kind of ways, like I just realize putting that stuff out, being negative, it, it doesn't hurt anyone worse than it hurts me. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you're letting some random person you don't even know, like hold you back from chasing your dreams because of a negative comment, how comfortable are you going to be telling your kids that 10, 15 years from now that you stopped your dreams because you let three negative comments from people you don't even know, three bots stop you in your tracks. But I also think it just goes back to the bigger issue is that we put so much stock in the internet, in the validation and the likes and the comments, instead of really like doing the deep work on ourselves so that we can stand tall and that when this stuff happens, we just be like, I mean, I think Gary Vee's like, just pray for those people or something like that because they're obviously going through something to yeah, leave a comment that, like that. You have to deploy some empathy for them. And I try to jar people out of it because what my wife says I have issue is on my delivery. It's a blunt, brutal kind of delivery sometimes. But I feel like it, sometimes you need to have that delivery to, to make a point and to, and to jar some people into to realizing like, hey, maybe that's not effective. Maybe I'm wrong though, but, but I don't think I am in this instance. Like I can't imagine I have a young kid. She's growing up. I can't imagine being proud of her one day that she went on the internet and starts trolling people online. Like if she came home and was like, and I was like, Hey, what'd you do for, for your day, honey? And she said, Oh, I spent it today tearing down Jessica or Sarah and like commenting mean things and telling them how ugly or terrible they were. I would sit her down and say like that one is unkind and it's being a bully, which I you know, vehemently against. And two, it's hurting you and holding you back. And if people understood that more and they realize like, you wouldn't want that for anybody in your family to be in that headspace for your kid. Why would you want it for yourself? And it's not helping you. It's not serving you. It's holding you back from getting to the places of the people that you're commenting terrible things on. Yeah. I mean, it just all goes back to like, where are you spending your time and your energy? If you're spending your time and energy on negative things, you're going to have a negative life. And I think if you just look at the other side, like, how are you, how are you spending your time and who do you want to be? And would you want someone to treat you that way? I mean, honestly, I think it comes back to the golden rule too. It's like, would you want someone to leave negative crap on your stuff? And the answer is probably no. Right. But I think it goes back to personal accountability. I think people have an issue with having to take responsibility for the way they feel about themselves. And they think that other people are responsible for their own feelings. They feel that they need someone, if somebody else posts something that it, it automatically is going to make them feel a certain way. And I think there needs to be some ownership in your own and being able to manage your own emotions and your own behaviors when it comes to what other people say or do to you. There's a word that everyone uses now. It's triggered. I feel oh, triggered. Yeah, yeah, Somebody, yeah. there should be a trigger warning. I can't tell you how many times people comment on the podcast and say, there should be a trigger warning on this. I want there to be like, you might as well just say blanketly across the entire net, like show, like th the trigger warning is this. If you're triggered by anything that somebody else says that you came to follow, that issue's not on those people. That issue's on you. Why are you mm -hmm. being triggered? Why is that something that so-called in parentheses triggers you? That's a moment to look inward and say, why am I upset about what a stranger is saying or doing or thinking? It's okay to disagree and have conversation and civil discourse. It's another thing to have somebody trigger you to the point where you get upset or angry or get your day derailed or, or feel the need to stop what you're doing and comment something angry. That's a you issue. And that's as blunt as I can say it. And I think, again, as soon as people understand, myself included, that the moment you feel triggered is the moment you should stop, pause and say, why? What happened? Is there something that happened to me as a child? Is there something that's going wrong in my life? Is there something that's being pointed out about my relationship? Is there something that's being pointed out about me personally that's hitting a nerve? Whenever I feel quote unquote triggered, I literally stop and say like, 
why am I feeling that way? What's, what's mm. happening here? Like what happened to me that's making me this upset or this sad or this angry or whatever. And I find that most of the time when I do that, I can have an honest conversation and say, okay, that's something I got to work on. That's, that's an area that I got to improve. And guess what? When I do that, next time I see something like that, I'm not triggered. I actually feel better. And I feel understanding and a sense of calm because I worked through something. Most people, they'd rather, again, to your point, blame something externally, as opposed to saying, Hey, this is maybe a me issue. Yeah, and that's the only way to get better is to look at yourself in the mirror when something triggers you or something bothers you, whatever you want to call it and say, okay, it's not their fault. Like it's on me to why is this bothering me? Right? Because we all have responsibility and there's choices in how we respond to every single situation we're dealt with every single one. And the moment we stop making excuses for our behavior because of what somebody did to us, and we own the fact of how we can control our reaction We'll win. And we'll not only win, we'll, we'll grow. Yep. No, I mean, it's funny. I was thinking as you're talking, like we probably all have those guy friends when you're younger and like, there's that one guy in the group that he goes out to hit on all the, every girl and, and he gets denied and every, and every girl you, you ask him what happened. He goes, Oh, that girl's a bitch or she's a brat yeah. or she's stuck up. And it's like, is she really, or is it, is it, is it you? Is it your approach? Is oh, it, is it yeah. something that you're putting off? And like, we all like can think about who that guy is and maybe been that guy at certain times. And I think like, again, that's, it's a you thing. It's, it's just switching up. I, the biggest unlocks in life is just taking extreme accountability for everything, mm. right? It's, and being disciplined. And so the accountability comes into saying like, these are my thoughts. These are my experiences. Like if I want them to change, I have to change. And, and the discipline comes in saying like, I have to take action. I have to hold myself accountable. If I want something to change, I have to go do something about it. And I think with extreme ownership and, and discipline, like those two qualities right there, you will find everything. It's not some moment of inspiration. It's not some unlock. It's not some book you're going to read. It's just fully taking accountability and being disciplined in your life. You could do those two things. Like you will be happy and you'll find success. I think that's a good place for us to leave it, man. I mean, this, this episode was amazing. I know a lot of people that have interviewed either you and Lauren or yourself have dove into the, your story and business stuff. I really wanted to get into your mindset practices because I think that's something that you're very skilled at is really just piercing through a lot of the BS and just giving practical advice on how to succeed in life, which I think is so needed right now. So I really appreciate you coming on. Where can people find out more about you? I know you're on Instagram at Michael Bostic. You got the Skinny Confidential podcast, anything else where people can find out more? No, I mean, thank you, man. I think like none of this advice that we've talked about today, you, you can crack open 50 books and I'm sure there's a lot more high level ideas and more complex things. Most of the stuff in life is honestly like the best stuff that I've read. And sometimes it's hard when you, when you read a lot, you realize like a lot of these self-help books that like, get a little bit too complex. It's the simple things in life. It's the simple unlocks, discipline, holding yourself accountable, communicating, looking inward, like it sounds cheesy, but it, it really is like where, where the greatest unlocks are. And I'm definitely not the first person to share it, but now I, I seem to have a decent sized microphone outside of the skinny confidential him and her show and myself uh, personally on Instagram, which is Michael Bostic. I think anybody you've had Gabby Reese on your show. We produced that show and dear media produces about 50 others. So all sorts of different topics, genres, comedy shows, wellness shows, business shows, lifestyle shows, there's something for everybody. Definitely check that out. Awesome. Yeah. You're definitely going to want to go follow Michael and subscribe to their podcast. It's amazing. It's been an inspiration for mine and what he has built him and his team at Dear Media. It's quite inspirational with how they're trying to bring, you know, positive light to this this dark these dark times we're in. It's it's so needed. And I just want to remind people that if they felt like something touched their heart in this episode, to make sure to tag myself, tag Michael with your biggest takeaway. We love hearing your feedback. If this episode had a major impact in your life and you feel called to leave a review, we love hearing that from you as well. And I once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. I'll see you next time. Thanks, Doug.